Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Kato. My name is Hans. I'm Edward. And we're your hosts for now and forevermore. Or until we vanish into the ether <laughs> or something. <laughs> welcome to episode 25 of Gettle, your favorite variety podcast, which talks about gaming, entertainment, technology, and lifestyle, all encompassed within a wonderful geek wrapping. <laughs> <laughs> a wonderful and colorful geek, geek wrapping. Yes, of course, because, you know, colors are awesome. Um, yeah. Okay, cool. Well, well welcome, everybody. Uh, we hope you enjoyed episode 24. Uh, we're now at 25, and that means that we are at our quarter-life crisis yeah. <laughs> when it comes to... Just about. <laughs> and crisis is legitimately a good way of explaining it. <laughs> so, um, for the more astute amongst you from uh, tw- episode 24, you'll know, or rather, if you, if you paid attention to our socials, we had a lot of issues um, mm, in yeah. terms of sound volume up and down and i just want to speak about that just for just for a a few moments essentially we ran to a really strange problem where because we record audio and video separately although i mean we we record audio and video together in certain files but then also separately Uh, so what was happening initially is that by doing them separately is that sometimes the audio would go out of sync for the video and we found out that that's because of frame rates and so on and so forth. So by combining them into one, it just makes life a lot easier from an editing perspective. Now, we did that for last week's episode for the first time. And it was a train smash. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was bad. <laughs> for whatever reason, and we're assuming that somehow there was some mild corruption in the video files. Um, during the editing workflow, which I now use Final Cut. I was using GarageBand when we were audio only, but now that we're video, I actually end up editing the video first and then exporting the audio. Mm. It just didn't want to work. Well, there were consistent issues in the program and video glitch, I mean, audio glitches to the point where, where eventually we exported the, the complete episode 24, uploaded it to our podcast provider, and then found out about half an hour later that uh, there were actually dead segments. <laughs> yeah, literally like minutes, just not there. Just dead air. So I then spent about two hours recompiling audio files and so on and so forth and getting it all together. And I have to tell all of you this because you must understand that ghetto is a labor of unpaid love. <laughs> yeah. yeah, for now, until we get that sponsor. Anyway, so I just wanted to like talk about that a little bit and how this week we we, we're hoping we won't have those issues again. But Mm -hmm. um, you know we're 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 doing our best. You know it is it is challenging when we're not at the same place to you know record with like one single set of hardware. So we you know we obviously use video files and we have to share them and and so on and so forth. But for those of you who have been sticking with us and for for those of you who do give us good feedback, y'all know who you are. I'm not giving you a shout out this week. (laughs) <laughs> just want to say thank you <laughs> um and yeah so well, welcome to episode 25 uh, episode 25 of ghetto our quarter life yeah. crisis um we have some good news eduardio and yeah. his leafy are engaged <laughs> and my leafy yeah it uh i would say almost congratulations to you thank both. you thank you <laughs> 
it's been a while. She's been getting frustrated. Yeah. And As I you said, it it's time. only been about a decade. Yeah, so... so- <laughs> it was about time. Please, listen, please. Can we not wait another decade for the wedding? Like, I would like it if you could have it sooner than rather than later. And I, I know I'm, I'm just inserting myself into your life now, but... <laughs> Well, no, I'm kidding. I don't know. Uh, we're thinking maybe maybe next year even. So Awesome. Yeah. Well, whether it's next year or later than that, we'll keep you, our listeners, informed. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> y'all got to know everything. Yeah, because y'all got to know what's happening in our lives. <laughs> now, um, with that in mind, uh, if you remember from episode 24, I did mention how it was a little bit fluish. Well, mm-hmm. <clears throat> Things are better, but also haven't changed. <laughs> so I will hope most likely periodically throughout this episode still sniffle. And if I have to cough, I will do my best to mute the audio. And I do apologize in advance. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully it's not too bad <laughs> for your sake. Yeah. For yeah. your, for your, for the listeners, for our listeners and the audio. Well, I was thinking for All your right. editing sake. Oh, you mean for me? Yeah. <laughs> That too, because when I, when I speak, it actually makes it worse. So, yeah. um, y'all be welcome. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So, um, as we, as we've been doing, um, for most recent episodes, we are speaking about what's going on in terms of reviews and previews. And this week we have some cool topics to talk about. Yeah. We're going to start off with, uh, ergonomic chairs. Mm. Now, for those of you who may not know, I've been using a dining room chair for almost two years um, to sit on for all my, my, you know, working endeavors and scenarios. And it hasn't been pleasurable. (laughs) You know, sitting for a meal for 45 minutes is okay. But when you're sitting in a chair for upwards of eight, nine hours a day, it can be a little bit intense. Yeah. So I uh, started saving over a year and a half ago for an ergonomic chair. And uh, in that time, also did a lot of research. And I discovered that um, Herman Miller was one of the better brands um, that I wanted to get. And they were available in South Africa. So I bought a Herman Miller Cosm. And it is probably the most phenomenal chair I've ever used in my life. I'm actually sitting in it right now. I don't know if you can see a little bit of it. Um... Oh, well, for those of you who are watching the video. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not um, the ones listening. Yeah. Um, actually, for those of you who are listening, um, I will link to my video review on YouTube in the show notes. So by all means, check it out if, if ergonomic chairs are your thing. Um, but yeah, it's a phenomenal chair. Yes, it's very expensive, especially from a South African perspective. And I just want to set the record straight because when I tweeted about this about a week ago, some people insinuated that... I got a free upgrade for this chair because of what I do. Mm-hmm. And I, a part of me doesn't even feel like I should justify these insinuations, but I'm going to anyway, because I need people to understand that myself and Edward and Vamers have a very, very strong set of ethical groundwork yeah. or, or code. There's a strong ethics code that we actually abide in. We yeah. actually have a transparency policy that is publicly available on Vamers.com. So, you know... For people to insinuate otherwise is actually rather insulting. Um, anyway, with that in mind, um, I bought the chair with my own hard-earned money, which I saved for. And the free upgrade was really just a awesome positive that yeah. came my way because they made the mistake. Um, they told me they had stock of the chair that I initially ordered, which was without the adjustable armrests. And they then called to tell me that they were very sorry about that. They didn't have it. So they gave me the adjustable ones to 
to make up for it rather than disappointing me as a customer and canceling my order. Yeah, that's literally that's all that nice happened. Yeah. Uh, I do. Um, so shout out to All Office. Yeah. South Africa. Yeah. And again, I'm mentioning them because A, they're the only people who bring in Herman Miller into South Africa and B, their customer service was above and beyond. I mean, they basically gave me like a 10,000 rand upgrade for free. Mm. So I'm definitely not complaining. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it was a nice upgrade. It was, it was awesome. So moving on from the Cosm review, which is an excellent chair, by the way, and I highly, highly recommend it. Do watch the video for more information. Um, Edward has, as always, been playing new games. Yeah. Um, so within this week, on Monday, my review dropped for Destroy All Humans. Um, we alluded to it last week. And yeah, again, it's, it's a port of the original game. I think it came out 15 years ago or something like that. Don't recall now. I never yes, played it. Yes, yes. A, a very long time yeah, ago. Yeah, very, um, very long. You are right. Almost almost two decades, yeah, actually. So uh. <laughs> it's, it's a decent game. It's it's a product of its time, though. You can tell it's just a remake of an old game. So there is that. Um, on a better note, though, I played Deadly Premonition. Um, and Ah, yes. So I've never played a Deadly Premonition game before, yeah. but I've heard about the game from Edward, and it sounds fascinating. So just just give us a quick, a very brief overview of the first one and why you, you, you enjoyed the second one so much. Okay, so basically Deadly Premonition, the, the first game boils down to a standard murder mystery. Um, you are Detective Agent York, um, and... It's up to you to get to the bottom of these weird killings that, uh, or yeah, killings that's been happening, where young women are tied up to posts or trees, and they have red seeds in their mouths, and their tongues are usually okay. cut out. And it, it, it's <laughs> Jeez. yeah, it, it's a very dark game, but it's also super okay. wacky and lighthearted at the same time. Um, so, so that's the thing that I keep hearing. I keep hearing how. It goes against the norms of what a horror or detective game is supposed to yes. be about. Uh, it's if you could think of your the weirdest anime you've ever seen, Deadly Premonition would be the embodiment of that. <laughs> it's so cool. weird. It, it's uh, it's the game that put is it a bug or a feature? Um, <laughs> Up there, but, but but not but not really the Bethesda way. Not as the in Bethesda way. These are way. like legitimately. <laughs> yeah, like the, there's this one scene I remember very vividly in the first game that you sit across the table from an old lady uh, in the hotel you're staying at, and she can't hear you because she's old, and so Agent York needs to scream everything at her, and as he he becomes louder, the music also becomes louder. Now, no one knows if that's just a bug <laughs> or if it's done no, on purpose. That, yeah, that sounds intentional. That, that yeah. kind of sounds like... Um, so, I've been playing a lot of The Last of Us 2. Yeah. And um, as we mentioned a couple of episodes ago, um, it's the highest rated game ever on Vamers mm -hmm. and Edward thoroughly enjoyed it. Now, I'm making my way through it so that we can eventually speak about it. And it also has audio... Um, contextual audio mm. whereby you know if there are enemies around you can actually hear the change and when they are defeated it changes again mm. so you know it's pretty cool okay so so that was number one yeah. so why deadly premonition 2 so deadly premonition 2 is a prequel and a sequel of the first game um it takes place in 2005 and 2019 um okay. and it's again as agent york in 2005 you go back to 
or not back, but you go to a city, a little town called La Care or La Care. I've heard it multiple ways in the game, um, yes. and it's all about getting down to the bottom of the murder of this huge family in the town um, who basically monopolized everything. So as you can tell, the people don't really like this family. So the motive is there. And it's it's all about getting to the bottom of this and how it eventually relates into these Red Seed murders from the first game because obviously it's a, a prequel. Uh, okay. Oh, but it's a prequel slash sequel, yes. right? So, it's a weird, weird So myth. the sequel bit, you play as Agent Elia Davis, who thinks that it's super weird that Agent York always manages to capture all these previous murderers and close all these cases so easily or so so well, I guess. So she thinks you might be involved. Yes. Um, the, the game starts ah. where, where you interrogate Agent York thinking that he was like the prime suspect of all these cases that he's closed and eventually it yeah. evolves into a whole like twist and uh well, yeah okay, i almost spoiled the game i almost and, okay the game. look it, yeah yeah uh, is it worth playing yes um the the okay. thing is though it's not for everyone um it's super campy okay. well so look we will link to edward's full review yeah. So you can go and uh, read all yes. of his thoughts and then make a determina determination of whether you'd like to play it or not. Um, I understand it's exclusive to Nintendo Switch. For now, right? at least. I, I, um, uh, the, the bit of research that I could do, it seems like it's a timed exclusive, but resources oh, okay. are scarce. Okay. So, at the yes. moment. Okay. All right. Okay, cool. So um, those are the video games mm -hmm. that we've been reviewing for Vamers. Um, I'm actually currently working on a review for a new TV series yes. um, called A Brave New World. Uh, I'll just give you guys a, a very quick overview and um, we'll link to the review once done. But essentially, the TV show has been receiving a lot of criticism online yeah. uh, for not being close enough to Aldous Huxley's book of the same name. Now, I... I am I am a review person, mm -hmm. as in a review score person. I see a score and it'll sometimes influence whether or not it gives something a chance. But I saw this and I saw a lot of the reviews actually talking about how it wasn't like the book. And I'm like, you, you know, to an extent I agree. Um, mm -hmm. But at the same time, you shouldn't totally, dis you know, tarnish something's reputation just because it doesn't live up to the expectation set by something yeah. else. Because it is very, very difficult to do book to movie or TV translations. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they work exceptionally well. Other times, not so much. So I did a little bit more reading. And it turns out that A Brave New World is not meant to be a direct adaptation. It's actually just like an inspired by in, in many respects. So I thought, okay, well, let, let's have a look. And, and, and I'll just explain a little bit about what it's about. So it's a... It takes place in the far future. It's a, like a dystopian future whereby... Sorry, not a dystopian, a utopian oh, okay. future. Yeah, there's a difference because dystopia implies like, like in a yeah, world yeah, scenario. Yeah. <laughs> well, but, well, okay. Let me, I, I, won't, I won't try and spoil I won't spoil it. I won't spoil it. Okay, so it's technically a utopia where everybody has a place in society um, and they are given a Greek alphabet characters to determine what their roles are so you get alphas betas gammas deltas and epsilons epsilons are like the i know it's going to sound terrible but the trash of uh society like that's the, how worst they of the worst of the worst not 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 the worst in terms of of um anger or destitution mm. but they do all the the jobs nobody oh, wants okay. like sanitation and cleanup and stuff like that 
Whereas the elf is now at the top of the food chain. They, whatever they say has mm. to go. And, and if you are below them, you have to listen to them. Because if you don't, then you might be sent for reconditioning, oh. which is a, a process that uh, makes you act your level. That sounds... <laughs> so, it, it, look, it, it's a really fascinating science fiction mm. premise because there, there are so many layers to what the show is trying to showcase. Mm. And in my review, I'm trying to break them down and it, 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 it's proving to be a little bit of a, of a difficult task. But essentially, you know, it, it's just... The, the crux of it is how no system is ever perfect. And there will always be, not a flaw, but there'll always be something to break down the perfection. And it's all about how this seemingly perfect society is anything but. And how the imperfections cause it to be, not necessarily broken down, but to become perfect in a different mm. way. It's, it's, it's super interesting. Uh, I won't talk too much about it, but I will, we will link to the review and you can, you can check it out. Um, it's currently available on the USA Peacock Network. Um, I'm, I'm not entirely sure when it will be available locally and on which streaming platform locally. But once we have that information, we'll yeah. let you know. That's cool. Yeah. Um, now, in terms of previews, because like we, we like doing reviews and previews. It's like a, a new thing now when we start off episodes. Um, I've also been watching The Great, which is all about Catherine the Great. It is exceptional and incredibly irreverent and I will have a, a full review for you guys within the next week because I've almost finished the first season, but it is very, very good. Yeah. And um, Edward, I know you're looking forward to Lovecraft Country. I am. I am really looking forward to it. Um, so we, we got re- release screeners for it. So I'll Which be we are reviewing. very lucky to often get. Yes. Um, so uh, I'm currently in the process of reviewing Lovecraft Country. And it's amazing. Uh, as you know, I love all things Lovecraft. Um and this <laughs> isn't quite super Lovecraftian in the, in the sense of that, like that game that released earlier, uh, Sunken City or something. But it's still very, very much based in the in the mythos of Lovecraftian lore oh, and myth. And it's in- I didn't know that. Yeah, uh, no, and it's still very, very good. It's made by Jordan Peele, I believe, if I remember correctly. Um, uh, I think he's a producer. So we all know it should be up there at the very least. Wow. Um, okay, so, so, okay, so so we've spoken about some, some good stuff, right? So A Brave New World should be good. The Great is good. Lovecraft Country, we hope, will be, will be good. Um, mm-hmm. And your review will come out, what, within a week, right? And yeah. And we'll actually speak about yeah. it in depth next week, I think. Yes. But of course, you have to compliment... The excellent with the not so excellent. <laughs> <laughs> the not so excellent. I might use that in my review, actually. Uh, so, what um, Hunter's yeah, alluded yeah, to exactly. <laughs> uh, are two movies that I found recently um, called Velocipaster and Oh my gosh, I just. The wait, wait, Guardians. Wait, wait. Okay, okay, hold But look, okay, okay. Before Edward tells you about these, just. Velocipaster. I, 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 look, I, I'm sorry, I'm taking this because I have to speak about it. Go ahead. So, y'all know my love for dinosaurs, okay? Jurassic Park, Fnatic. Uh, we spoke about Death Grounds, the game, which I'm really looking forward to. Now there's another game, which I'll speak about in another episode, which I'm also very much looking forward to. Hmm. When Edward brought this to my attention, I was like, I'm never going to watch this crap because it looks terrible. But I'm so intrigued because the, burb, the blurb for the movie is that there's this pastor who turns into a velociraptor <laughs> in order to combat crime. <laughs> and I'm just like, 
that is the most insane premise, but I kind of really want to know if it's good or not. <laughs> well, it's, it's bad, it's bad. But but Edward has a penchant for, as I call them, LBCs, which is low-budget crap films. Um, but you know what? Everything can't always be good. And we've got to make time for the less than excellent. And this is what Edward's doing. And I'm very, very, very curious to read his reviews when he's done. Yeah. Hey, Edward. <laughs> the thing is that I tend to like super... Uh, or rather, I tend to like movies that no one else does. Um, you look, you, you <laughs> like campy stuff. You I like do. Stuff I love like, the campy stuff. You, you can just leave it on and it doesn't really have to make much sense. And it's just like Fast and the Furious. Yeah. Right? Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to say brain dead films. But what I mean by that is that you can put them on and, and watch TikTok at the same time. You're not really going to miss anything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sometimes I try a bit too hard, and <laughs> but most of the time I've noticed at least that some of these movies are gems. And okay, now, now be- before I interrupted you, you, you yeah. were talking about The Guardians. Just yes. tell everybody quickly about what that's about. So basically, one of these gems I hope will be is Guardians, and it, it basically tells the story of Russian superheroes created in the Cold War. Now, Yal, it's the Russian Avengers. It okay. is. You heard uh, it here first. <laughs> Listen, the, the bit I've seen of this, now I haven't seen the movie yet. I'm in the process of reviewing it. It's on my watch list. Well, uh, I've skimmed through it. It looks <laughs> phenomenal CGI-wise. It really does. And Look, okay, there, there is something to be said for the fact that the CGI is decent, but like the little bit that I saw, I'm just like, WTF? Yeah. What were they thinking? <laughs> So and and the thing is, um, the movie comes in an English dub and the original Russian dub. Now I'm obviously going to watch it in Russian with English subtitles. Of course. Um, oh, but listen, you're studying Russian. Exactly. So... Exactly. Oh, all so, um, but I will obviously do a little bit in my review about the English dub, just to tell everyone who previous dubs over subs, um, yeah, yeah, what it's all <laughs> like. Yeah, and look forward to that. Okay. Well, since we're still on the topic of movies and eventually Edward's reviews, yeah. I just want to be, uh, I just want to shout out to my bro, Harry Potter. Happy birthday. You're a wizard, <laughs> Harry. <laughs> it's literally Harry's birthday today uh, because he was born in, I, th- I think it was the, in 81, 1981, but 31st of July. I thought it was 85. No, 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 no. He, we're not the same age. I know he's older than me. You know more than um, I do. So okay, so he's he, it's actually nineteen eighty, oh, which okay. would make him oh, it makes him forty. Happy fortieth birthday, Harry Potter! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now with Harry Potter on the mind, uh, we should all be celebrating. So we're going to link below to my favorite butterbeer recipe. Mm-hmm. Yes, I concocted one many years ago, and it is still delicious even today. And if you do make it, our listeners, please let me know what you think. Um, it's I haven't made it in a very long time, but I'm thinking maybe I should. <laughs> maybe this weekend. Yeah, maybe. We, we'll be <laughs> maybe do an Insta post about you making butterbeer. Yeah. Because those who don't Either know. way, it, it's, it's really delicious. It's really delicious. Yeah. And, you know, happy birthday, Harry. Yes. Um, despite what's going on in the world right now and what your, your creator is saying, happy birthday and butterbeer cheers to you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, this was a, a really long catch up so now on to the content thank goodness for timestamps. yeah yeah (laughs) we'll all have that at least uh edward uh, there was something really fascinating to do with minecraft yeah so 
obviously, Minecraft is home to all things wonderful, all these wonderful creations, like uh, all things Minecraftian. I guess, That's a new yeah, way. yeah. Um, <laughs> like, like a few years ago, when the the um, church bu- burned down, I forgot the name now. I'm I'm sad that I did, but oh, you mean you mean um, the the. Not Arc de Triomphe. That's not. That's not the right. No, the thing. other one. Uh, the <laughs> yes, the other French the, church, Notre Dame. There we Notre go. Dame. The Notre Dame. There we go. So when that burned down, people yeah. recreated it in Minecraft, like very oh, accurately. That's fascinating. Oh, that's brilliant. And now yeah. recently, people have learned how to install operating systems in Minecraft. Listen, this is like, just how how is this yes <laughs> how is this even possible i mean I, I know you can do incredible things in Minecraft. Yeah. i know you can you can make working machines and, and and people have actually built working computers and, and by that i mean they put you know the blocks in certain yeah, ways like where it actually processes data and information yes but to actually run an operating system yeah. that is that is some next level it's, stuff. It's, okay. Like I don't know how it works, but apparently it's it's a mod called Virtual Box, um, which runs off of another mod called um, vir- <laughs> of course Virtual <laughs> Machine or s- Virtual Computer Machine. Okay. So um, so hold hold up hold up. So these people are using the world of Minecraft yeah. to actually run VM software. Yes, that's exactly what it is, and that is amazing. I didn't even know you could do yeah, that. Well, now we do. So apparently via this wow. software, or well, rather via this mod in Minecraft, you can install any ISO file, the preferably ones that you own, because that's the correct way of doing <laughs> yes, it. Yes, uh, <laughs> legalities. Yes. Um, <laughs> such as Windows 95. That's the only one I've seen demoed. I haven't seen any newer Windows operating systems. But, but I mean, just think about that for a second. There's this creative game that you can now use a mod that creates a virtual machine to run a full-blown version of a what a almost two-decade-old operating system yeah. on a machine that doesn't exist yes. because it's all in a virtual. This is I don't know. It's blowing my yeah, mind. So, so that is um, that is amazing. basically how it works. Is this mod creates a hard drive in Minecraft, which allows you to to install operating systems onto it, and. Because of this, because of all this stuff has been happening and people have been experimenting a bit. And guess what they managed to do? What? They ran Doom on it. Oh, of course they did. Of course they did. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Doom is like on everything. I mean, I mean, didn't they get it to run on the MacBook Pro yes, Touch Bar? <laughs> they did. Oh, so, that's... That is brilliant. That is brilliant. Yeah, the, the, wow. That's the thing. Uh, um, if you can run Doom, you know you've got a stable virtual machine going. So, so they they created these computers, yeah. put virtual machines in them, all within Minecraft, and then ran Doom on the virtual computer. Yes, <laughs> in Minecraft. That is <laughs> wow. Jeez, look, we'll we'll link to the article below. Mm-hmm. That is wow yeah it's that is blowing that is blowing my mind personally that is just incredible exactly like i'm not a big minecraft player i do the occasional thing here and there in the game on on the windows 10 version and on the ios version but this is next level and it's super cool it's amazing okay well i mean look i I know i'm not a huge minecraft fan um i mean i i understand the reasoning behind it and, and you know why people enjoy the creativity and that and 
Um, one of my close family relatives, he actually spends a lot of time in Minecraft. Yeah. And there was a time where I thought that maybe it was because it's a means, you know, it's a, it's a creative outlet. But at the same time, you know, if you're a bit of a loner and you feel the need to do something, mm-hmm. you know, it's a really great outlet. Now, the reason why I'm, I'm trying very hard to do a segue here <laughs> is that what does it mean to be alone? You know, mm. truly alone. Well, over the last week or so, I discovered there is actually a place on Earth that is so remote that you are actually closer to the astronauts on the International Space Station than you are to anyone else on Earth. That's weird. <laughs> It is, it is mind-blowing. So I spoke a little bit of um, thalassophobia in last week's episode about how, you know, deep, dark spaces in the ocean sort of, you know, make me feel like there's something mm. there that could hurt me or whatever. So this is literally that, but in terms of being completely isolated from anyone else on Gosh. Earth. And it's, it's called Point Nemo. Um, you can actually look it up if you do Google it, but we'll obviously put resources below. And it's the furthest place from any piece of land on the Earth. And as I mentioned before, you're closer to the International Space wow. Station than you are to anybody else, which is which is a very sobering thought because we all know that the International Space Station is hundreds of kilometers above us in the, um, I think, the stratosphere or it's even higher than that. I don't know. So, it. yeah, it's, it's... What would you do, Edward? Uh, what would you do if you were... I mean, I mean, I mean... You're so I'd far go away crazy. from anyone, anything, or land. That's, I mean, you'd obviously be in a ship or yeah. something because there's no other way to get there. Like, you know, my question is: Is it on surface level the furthest, or deep down below the furthest? No, no. So my understanding is: it, Is it surface so? Level. Which means so it's, they they haven't they haven't determined as far as I understand how deep Point Nemo is, but it's not as deep as the Mariana Trench. Uh, which we all know is the deepest but point that, on Earth. But that well, means rec- if you go deeper, if you're on Point Nemo and you go deep, deeper... <laughs> and you go down, then you're even, then you're <laughs> even further away from anything. If I understand Well, then you're even further away from the people in space. Well, right? from <laughs> everything, I guess. Um, Jeez, that's weird no, and you scary. Know, I, I, don't, I don't want to think about it. That's, that's very... I mean, just to be... That kind of isolation is next level. Like I know a lot of us have been dealing with um, isolation in yeah. lockdown, but this is something well, else. You know, this is in, this is literally in the middle of nowhere. Like if zero. I were an evil villain, that's where my lair would be. Ooh, yes. Oh, I like the way you <laughs> think, and you'd obviously be under the exactly. water, right? Like just below the surface. So if someone swims underneath, they won't find me. And or well, rather. Your yeah. base would be as elusive as the mating ritual of eels. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that's so. Um, yeah, the, the, our next talking point is it, it's kind of related. So we've just spoken about Point Nemo, yes. which is this place in the middle of literally nowhere, and how you're closer to, to astronauts than you are to people on, mm-hmm. on land. Well, to complement this, there was another super interesting thing we found this week, and it has to do with eels. Yeah. And how they mate. And the thing is, and the, like, just hold on, this is, this, this, just listen to this for a second. Nobody knows how eels mate. Yeah. Like, no, or, or at least we, 
Nobody we have in, ideas in, in all of science. <laughs> like, I mean, how is this? How is this possible? How does? How does? No one know. And and it's it's the most incredible thing. And, and Edward and I are going to actually talk about yeah. this now. Uh, so so yes. essentially, years ago, many many years ago, centuries ago, Aristotle, the great philosopher, <laughs> he he just <laughs> alluded to the fact that eels just appeared one day that they are the one species on earth that doesn't have an origin an evolutionary origin um now obviously that's not true as science have proved we've all evolved from something um but a danish biologist by the name of johannes schmidt um or yeah it's johannes i'm not sure if i'm pronouncing correctly Oh, but of course you're saying it right. You're Afrikaans. Yeah, but, but he was Danish. Johannes Schmidt. I'm not. I'm not Danish. <laughs> yeah. But, yes, but we come from the Danish. I guess. Man. Anyway, I'm just always scared. I'm, I'm insulting. You know people. the Dutch, Danish. No, no. So you're good, Johannes you're Schmidt, he spent like a quarter of his life studying. Oh, there you go. There's that that quarter exactly. Life, right? <laughs> yeah. There we go. Uh, Twenty-five <laughs> years of his life seeking more information about the mysterious thing that is the fact that eels the eel just tend to vanish and reappear every so often <laughs> um now what what essentially happened is um he, Johannes Schmidt he, he went to, to he studied um I don't know how to phrase this but basically he studied um the eels from the Caribbean all the way to the Saragogan Sea and yes so so he what what they did is is they actually um they wanted to know what what eels do yes. because they can't just come out of nowhere yeah why do okay. they vanish so yes yeah, so the scientists started to track them that's the and, word i was uh, looking for <laughs> yes they 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 managed to track certain eels to see where they go yes. and they saw that you know um some of them actually travel along like the entire coast of africa yeah. it's actually absolutely incredible how far they can go however however the most perplexing thing about the story is that they've only been able to track them to a certain point and then they disappear then nothing and it's and then nothing so the, 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 this 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 okay and it's, it's not point nemo no <laughs> not unfortunately uh, um it's it's this place that they call the the sargasso sargasso sea yes all right or sargasso sea yeah and they assume that this is the spawning site for eels yes. because they ha- they still haven't been able to track them. Yeah. And because they haven't been able to track them, they still don't really know how they mate. And the assumptions are that all... Okay, wait, b- before we get to that, something else that I have to mention is that every single eel on Earth is related. Yes. This blew my mind. As yeah, well. it, it turns out that, you know, you, you get different eels in different parts of the world. Like you get like northern eels and southern eels and so on and so on, but they all share the same genetic ancestry. And so the assumption is that all the eels on earth all go to one point where it is assumed the <clears throat> they lay eggs mm-hmm. and then they fertilize them. Now, yeah. the reason why I'm saying that is because eels have no sex. Yep. <laughs> they're 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 both they're everything. Yeah. They're all in one. It's like Godzilla. So no one really knows. Yeah, no one knows. Yeah, it's, Guys, it's you know, and, and, you know, actually, it's fascinating you bring up Godzilla because what if Godzilla was just a mutated eel? That would be scary. 
like because of just like 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 somehow he comes in touch with with radiation yeah. this eel at the breeding ground and boom there's your godzilla yeah like imagine <laughs> because nobody knows how <laughs> like, like i i'm getting weird images in my head now but imagine like you know Pacific Rim and the kaiju. Yes, yes. Now, obviously, we all know Godzilla is a kaiju. Um, same universe. It just means big monster. Is what kaiju means. And yeah, I'm just imagining all these eels. They even old eels, <laughs> even adult eels for us are actually kaiju, yeah. like larva. Imagine that. Well, I mean, no, but like, like, what if though? Because yeah. I mean, I don't know. It, it blows my mind that we have these creatures that we have no idea how they're yep. made because they've never been able to get them to mate in captivity. Exactly. So, so every time you eat eels now on your sushi, just know you're eating a creature that no one knows how they reproduce, yeah. and they're all related. Well, <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> well, on that note, though, um, um, yeah, recent studies have proven almost successful. In getting to the bottom of this entire mystery. Um, How so? So, basically, in 2014, they started developing this new tracking system whereby they can track eels by attaching satellite tags to them. Um, I'm not sure how a satellite tag works, but it looks like a little floaty device on the eel's back. Uh, like you do know that, that that still didn't result in anything. No, uh, yes. <laughs> but they did get somewhere, though. They managed to track yes. the seal all the yes. way to yes. the Saragosso, where it literally vanished. And the ta- the but, but, but hold on. Yeah. You have to add to that. Yeah. Okay. For those who might not know, and this again, again, might blow your mind. The Saragosso Sea mm-hmm. that Edward is talking about is by... The Bermuda Triangle. There we go. <laughs> so, so basically, the track just appeared on top of the water floating and the seal vanished. Oh, sorry, just, the eel vanished. So, and just get this now. We're, we're speaking about these creatures that no one knows how they breed. Yeah. They are all related around the world. They consistently fly, uh, swim from Europe, Africa, Asia, everywhere. To a place near the Bermuda Triangle mm-hmm. to breed, and no one knows exactly where or how. Just let that sink in for a little bit. And even tracking <laughs> fails. <laughs> that's that's fascinating. That's wow. So, actually, I'm curious to know what everybody else thinks. Yeah. What do you all think? What do you, I mean? Could they be kaiju, as Edward mentioned? Um, are they something else? Are, are they maybe the true aliens Ooh. of this planet? Hey, I mean, we know the Pentagon has admitted now officially that the flying saucer that we spoke about, I think it was like episode one or two, are li- literally not man-made. Yeah. They actually have now said so. The, so they are extraordinary <laughs> objects, which is... Oh. Yes. So I, w- I wonder... So now this leads me to um, the military, naturally. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if, if you think about Bermuda Triangle, how many things have, have gone missing there and so on and so forth. And I actually, I actually did read a little bit about it the other day. And it turns out it really isn't as fascinating as we all yeah, think it's... it is. But, <laughs> but the eels are giving me pause. Mm. All right. Now, with that in mind, um, and in terms of, you know, m- you know, militaristic equipment and things that we have, I'm curious, Edward, what does military grade mean to you so you know like when, when you see articles and stuff or, or rather product and they're like oh, military grade well what does that say to you at least 
up until now, um, I've been up, fed up the until idea. Ghetto episode twenty-five. <laughs> yeah, I've been fed the idea that military grade means like top tier quality. Yes, like you'll get yes. graphics cards with military grade backplates, and you'll get knives and and bow shafts with military grade material. So yeah, your your assumption is accurate. I mean, what what yeah. else would they be implying? I mean, you know, when you when exactly. you look at what people are using in the military, you know, their equipment is often far above what everybody else has. So you would assume mm. a military grade bulletproof vest is going to protect you from a variety of more of bullets that a a peasant one so. would, right? Yeah, <laughs> right. Well, 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 everybody, we have some news for you. Military grade is nothing but a marketing term. <laughs> Naturally, why would I ever think different? <laughs> so, like, <laughs> I mean, it does mean something. It does mean something, but it doesn't mean what we've all been led to believe. So, military grade basically just means meeting the bare requirements for durability while costing the absolute least to manufacture <laughs> for the military. Yes. So basically, it's like saying, okay, cool. Here is this um, bulletproof vest. How cheap can you make it to literally stop? the minimal amount of bullets. Wow. <laughs> that Just, is what military grade means. Jeez. <laughs> so so basically all these companies have lied to us. Yes. <sighs> yes. You're 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 right. You're not wrong. Gosh. Okay. But but that means there are multiple grades within the military grade, I suppose. I well, assume because well, like, rather rather it's that military grade is the bare minimum. So you yeah. can only go up from a product from that has been built to military grade, which basically just means Gosh. means it must have the minimum durability while costing as as cheap as possible. Mm. <laughs> so wow, now, okay. when you go and get that military grade graphics card, which is already so bloody expensive, mm-hmm. th- they're basically saying they're giving you the lowest cost but strongest item that they could manufacture. <laughs> so Made that markup, that markup is not not real. Okay. <laughs> you're, wow. You're <laughs> well, why would we ever think different now? Now to be honest. Well, I mean, now we know. Now now yeah. we're informed, you know? And now um, you're informed too. Yes, and, and, and I'm curious, did you all believe the same thing that we did? Because, I mean, when I thought of military grade, just like what Edward said now, you think that it's better than normal, you know? Yeah. You actually would opt psychologically to go for a military grade item than something else. Exactly. Well, wow. now you know better. Just buy the, buy yeah. the cheap knockoff. Same thing. The more you know. <laughs> so, now... There was something else that I was going to talk about, but I think we're going to maybe push it to another time. And so I'm going to move on to voices. So earlier this week, I came across a YouTuber, which actually prompted me to, you know, then deep dive further into what a deep voice means. And so I came across this YouTuber and I was listening to the video and I thought to myself, you know, just by listening to his voice, I now have a perception of what I think he looks like. Mm. Um, and his voice was deep. Like, if, if any of you have heard of Markiplier or have listened to his voice, oh. you, you'll know what I'm talking about. You know that, like, it's deep, it's manly, it's 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 hot, like it's he beautiful. Has I mean, I know voice. it's weird to say that, but 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 really, he's he's got a voice that, like, yes. you know, you want to let him narrate you, mm. like like you know, like Morgan Freeman, how how instantly um, identifiable his voice is, you know. Um, so I was listening to this YouTube, and I was like, okay, um, he sounds you know, tall. Mm. He sounds handsome. He sounds well-built. I know this sounds strange, but hold on. Just bear with me. We're getting to the the, the crux of the, the matter. 
So I went and um, did some searching. And he is a scrawny little ginger man. (laughs) (laughs) He looks super Irish. Look... Look, he, he, uh, this is not a criticism to him because no. this is gonna this is gonna lead me into what we're talking about in in terms of perception and that. So after that, I was like, well, that's very interesting. Are there any other studies that look into what voices do to people and the perceptions they create? And there is. It's actually called the Barry White effect, which is a weird <laughs> name. No, it's perfect. If if anyone who's familiar with Barry White's voice will completely understand why it's called the Barry White effect, because he he is renowned for having this voice that you know, and, and uh, not to get into stereotypes, but would make ladies' panties drop. Yeah, you know. With that in mind, um, I came across a, a fascinating um, article and uh, video, which obviously we'll link below, and it just has to do with with what changes in your voice can can do to you and how people infer different things from you mm. and long story short it has to do with deep voices um so you know in the video that i was talking about initially he had a deep voice and i saw what he looked like and i was like there's actually a disconnect there and i was like but why did i think that well this is what the barry white effect does it makes you perceive things about someone because they have a deep voice now to an extent this does relate a little bit to um, male stereotypes, yeah. you know, because obviously a stereotype implies, you know, you, you can be a manly man, you know, you've got to be hairy, blah, 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 blah. Well, this is where this Barry White effect comes in. And it, and to give it some context, it has to do with um, the hormone testosterone. So obviously during puberty, um, when the hormone starts taking effect in men, um, more often than not, your voice will drop by at least one octave. Making it, and deeper. then of course you know your Adam's apple and so on and so yeah. forth. Now, when people have done research into this, they found specifically towards ladies. Um, ladies prefer men with deeper voices because allegedly um, deeper voices are sexier. Mm-hmm. Well, um, hence the Barry White. Allegedly, well, <laughs> we say allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> now, what was interesting about this is the more that I read into it and the more that I I learned. Um, you know, when I was making assumptions about this person that I was listening to, it turns out that is actually a very normal and human thing to do. And that's what the Barry White effect is. It's whereby people will start associating physical characteristics to a disembodied deep voice. Mm. You know, things like they assume the person is stronger and they're taller and they're bigger and they're more attractive. And in terms of male stereotypes, you know, they're hairier and they're like manly men, you know, strong jawlines, you know, stuff like that. What's interesting, though, is that there's actually no correlation between size and voice. how deep your voice is. So you could get somebody like me, who's uh, six foot four, and I don't believe I have a particularly deep voice. No. Um, <laughs> who is six foot four, and I don't have one. But whereas you could maybe get somebody who's like five foot two, and they sound like a baritone. When they speak, the table vibrates. Yeah. You know? Um and it was just it was just interesting. And and the more you look into that, if you look at the evolutionary roles, it turns out that um there is there is science behind it, and that is that when your voice breaks, um, courtesy of testosterone in the body, it now implies that you can have children. You can use your seed to fertilize a seed and have children. That's cool. That's technically that's technically what a deeper voice implies. So therefore it's very much a, a you know a biological evolutionary um, human standpoint. Yeah. All right. Now there's more to this though. So 
In addition to the Barry White effect being all of those things, there is also something else called the peak shift effect. Mm -hmm. And this is whereby, as humans, and, and this will make a lot of sense, is we often gravitate to the extremes when it comes to human nature. Yeah. So like somebody with a super deep voice now is more appealing than somebody with a, a high-pitched voice. Do you know what I mean? Or, or you'll like somebody with a high-pitched voice versus somebody with a low-pitched voice. Do you get yeah, what I'm saying? No in-between. So, really. so for all of you average Joes in the middle, for shame. Yeah, like... <laughs> No, look, it, it's just got to do with how um, humans are geared, which is why, like, you know, that's actually why stereotypes exist. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, when you think of something like, let's take the the archetypal female, right? She's got to be, um, you know, slim-figured, nice bust, nice, you know, buttocks. You know, I, I know I'm being objective here, but just hear me out. So when you think of that, that is now only describing an extreme of available body types. Mm-hmm. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So this peak shift effect, therefore, comes into play when it comes to deep voices because it's an extreme. A deeper voice is an extreme, right? Now, after everything that I've said, this was very interesting. There was actually a 2011 study which completely contradicts the fact that a deep voice implies true fertility. The study found that people with deep voices actually have weaker sperm. <laughs> oh wow. Which which is which is I know, right? It's not something you you would you would you would contribute no, because you know, after everything that I've that I've spoken about now and you know when you hear somebody talking deep like into this. you and whispering sweet nothings, baby. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, like uh, oh, you know, yeah. you you're like, whoo, you know, like you know. <laughs> and it just so happens that they actually aren't as fertile as somebody who might have a high-pitched voice like me. Like, <laughs> high-pitched voice like this. High-pitched high voice. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, when I, was speak- when, I, when I looked at all of this, I came across something else called deep voice privilege. And um, I, f- I found some studies which looked at, at men in the workplace, in particular CEOs of companies, and how people with deeper voices were actually paid more and higher up the hierarchical ladder. What? Of course, it's very much... It, yeah, right? Can you believe it? it it's very much uh, um, a, a sexist study in my yeah. opinion. Because I was, I was curious to know if maybe ladies with female voices are also, mm. you know, promoted more than males. Unfortunately, um, the study only showed for men. And I was like, well, of course, that's stupid. Yeah. Anyway, so, hope, so I, I do think there is some, you know, possibility for future research into all voices from both sexes mm. to determine whether or not it actually makes that's a difference. That's fascinating. Something right? to look into. Well, well, do you know what does make your deep voice? I mean, your voice deep. <laughs> what? <laughs> Masks, Edward. <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> the, everybody, this is Edward slowly catching to grips with the same way. <laughs> uh, in my mind, I was just like, what would make your voice deeper? <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, wow. Anyway, Edward, please move on. <laughs> so, so this guy called Ben Heck on YouTube, um, he is an amazing, like, also inventor of things, um, which is phenomenal. All these people that Look, just invent ben, stuff. Ben, ben Heck is 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 phenomenal. Yeah. Um, he's one of the longest running people on YouTube in terms of crafting weird and wonderful and cool things from products that already yep. exist with his most popular items being the xbox 360 and playstation 3 but he actually made them portable mm-hmm. now of course that's not what we're talking about yeah today, so, so ben hick <laughs> um he recently made an 
automated mask. Um, very much in the style of Death Stranding, almost with the automated uh, headpiece. Um, and it looks it's cyberpunk it's as all so out. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> it looks phenomenal. Well, I mean, I mean, I mean, how fascinating is this? Last week we had a robot barber, right? A robot hairdresser. Yep. Now this week we have automated masks. Like I'm all for this automated feature. Yep. You know? It's weird. It's just weird to see. It's cool. I mean, it's a one button press because we all know, and as we mentioned in last week's episode, episode 24, y'all better be wearing masks, okay? We've, we've, we've spoken about this numerous times as to why it's one of the most effective means of combating the spread of not just coronavirus, but anything mm. really. I mean, if you're not feeling well, you should mask yeah, up before exactly. you go out, all right? And it's just so cool to see how people are using innovative technologies like 3D printing yeah. at home to make innovative products like robot barbers or this or yeah that just know? imagine going to the shop and it's all open and you're in your car and the moment you open your door <laughs> a thing triggers and it closes that's amazing well i mean i, w- I would still prefer having manual control because people be yeah dumb. yeah i guess <laughs> that's all i'm gonna say about well that. that's why you need auto because everyone just needs to force it yeah, but, but could you imagine like like you're drinking you're drinking like a coffee and it just decides to <laughs> like, or like you're <laughs> <laughs> or you're eating something. Anyway, well, I, I'm sh- I'm sure um, he's put these built sensors in yeah. and stuff. Um, what we'll do is we will link below to his video. It is well worth yeah. looking at and watching because who knows? Maybe auto masks are in our near future given the yeah. new normal. Yeah. Okay. Now, we are talking about coronavirus because it's a fact mm-hmm. of life now. Uh, something that was, was great about it. Now, people in America are currently fighting about amendment rights and how the mask goes against it and how they can't breathe. And we've just mentioned how it might make your voice deeper for that, you know, super sexy feel. Well, what masks won't do really is keep you quiet. And that's just obvious because, you know, you've got to be able to Mm -hmm. breathe still. Now, with that in mind, something that was very, very, very interesting is how scientists have recorded the longest period of silence in human history because of lockdowns around the world. That's cool. How, though? So, this is the interesting thing. So, we all know that around the world from the months of March through to May and sometimes even further, um, everybody went into lockdown, basically everywhere. Now, what is interesting, something that I didn't know about, is how seismologists are able to determine ambient human noise from whether it's walking or talking or um, using vehicles and, you know, transportation, stuff like that, through um, seismographs. You know, the technology that is used to measure earthquakes and movements of tectonic plates? Yeah. So there are apparently 300 of these stations around the world. And what ended up happening is that when the world started going into lockdown, scientists actually noticed a decrease in the ambient seismic noise on the planet. That's cool. Hey? That's actually super, super cool. Right? It's, yeah, it, it, it's just, it's super interesting that like humans are noisy. And it turns out that we're actually the third biggest source of seismic noise on the planet. Third biggest? You know? Third biggest, yeah. I'm, Whereas, you know, the other two are things like earthquakes yeah. and like volcanoes. Oh, okay, okay, <laughs> that makes the sense. The tectonic plates, like shifting. That you know? makes much more sense. <laughs> I was like, what could what it be? What did you think? It was like, like kaiju. Like kaiju. Yeah. kaiju that's coming That's immediately us. where my head went. 
Yes, yes, because the scientists are keeping it quiet. Uh, right? Yeah, you never know. We have aliens and now kaiju <laughs> that are so that make seismic noise. <laughs> um, so yeah, it just it's it's super it's super fascinating, super cool. and I mean it it does make sense. Like I remember in the early days of lockdown, how you'd go outside and you wouldn't hear anything. Yeah. Except for maybe the very, very, very odd police siren or um, ambulance, but it was dead, dead quiet. It was actually one of the few times in recent memory where I've wished I had a a drone so I could actually go and see what was happening. But I've seen stuff online on YouTube and it's, you know, cities were Yeah, like people flying drones through New York and the Vatican, not the Vatican, um, just Italy as a whole. Exactly. It's very eerie. Well, do you, you know what is not quiet, Edward? What? <laughs> a shotgun. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> I have no experience with a shotgun, but... Okay. Oh, oh, oh what? I do. It's amazing. I've never shot, right, oh, um, shot a shotgun. Oh, okay, well, maybe one day when, this, when we're allowed to do things like that again, we can go. And shoot a shotgun. You have to. You've got to try it at least once. At least once in your life. I mean, I've shot rifles and pistols, but yeah. It's okay. it's very interesting. I'm not an advocate for guns, but yeah. um, you feeling at least once is, is great. Okay. With shotguns on the mind, Edward, have you ever heard of the expression riding shotgun? I have heard of it, yeah. And what does it mean to you? Riding in the passenger seat. Okay. Now, for our listeners, before I actually answer what I'm about to say, I would like you all to think, what does riding shotgun mean to you? Okay. And it probably means what Edward said. <laughs> yeah, we're all probably wrong, though, knowing by everything else we've said. Well, well, some interesting news. I always thought that the expression was just some dumb American term from a movie. Yeah. You know, oh, you know, shot, oh, shotgun, you know, you call shotgun for things, kind of like how you call shotgun to sit in the, the passenger seat in the front exactly. of the car, you know, because sitting in the front, spitted in the back. Well... It turns out that this is a legitimate expression from the 1800s Wild West in the United States. Oh. Yeah, it was, it, it was a time when stagecoaches were a thing. Mm. And what would happen is they would often have a person assigned to sit with the driver who was armed in order to, you know, prevent people from plundering whatever loot it is that they were transporting. That's cool. Right? So, so this term, riding shotgun, is technically what that implies. That's cool. I'm sad now that Arthur Morgan never said that term in Red Dead. And I oh, love that that's game. That's true. Like oh, what, what time period does it take place in? The, the end of the World West. So I think it's about around the, the 20s, the 30s. Okay, so, so just to elaborate a little bit further on this mm-hmm. um although it sort of originated in the wild west within the 1800s it was only popularized in mainstream media from the 1920s because only then was it used in cinema as a means of saying oh i'm gonna ride shotgun if that makes sense okay you see okay. so look technically the 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 term maybe they didn't say do you want to ride shotgun maybe it came from earlier but, but yes uh, and the movies so, popularized it. Yes, that's that's exactly it. So okay. there we go. There we go, everybody. That's now you cool. know riding shotgun is a legitimate term. Sure, it's still very much American, but it actually means something. It's not that's just a, cool. a you know like a nineties term for you. You get this first, or you get to ride in front of the car. 
you know? Yeah. <laughs> that's that's and now of course we were speaking about shotguns and we all know that shotguns are good at destroying yeah badly yeah (laughs) i'm just gonna lead into it because edward's not catching it so (laughs) um, (laughs) i'm sorry i'm so bad i'll get i'll I'll get better um so there was something else that was really cool well actually not cool not cool but something interesting that i discovered and that has to do with the fact that Actually, hold on. Before I mention it, before I mention it, I want to pose a question. I want to pose a question. Mm-hmm. Brands, fashion brands. What? Why do you think they have value? I'm asking you this, Edward, and you, if audience, for those of you who are listening, just think about this to yourself and, and have a, an answer in mind. Honestly, I think the reason why they have value in the first place, I don't know, but I think why they have value now is because it's, social status it's needed it's wanted among like rich people there is actually a very cool economic process behind why certain brands are more valuable than others now i didn't know about this i wasn't aware of this at all Uh, and it's actually incredibly wasteful so to cut a very long story short yeah. In order for fashion brands to keep their goods what is exclusive, as in, mm-hmm. you know, they're not freely available, the brands actually destroy their surplus product. Why? In order oh, to Oh well, keep obviously. The, yes, there we <laughs> to, but, but, to keep it exclusive. But how would you come to that thinking in the first place? Is what I mean. Like Because so so there is some rationale to it. Now, I personally don't don't agree with it because it's it's incredibly it's wasteful. wasteful. You know, yeah. you're, you're using all of these resources to create these products only to destroy them in order to keep your brand valuable because exactly. by making the the products limited, it means that there's fewer of them and therefore they're more valuable. You know, okay. kind of like anything that's that's limited edition in nature. Yeah. So it turns out that major companies now, hey, we're talking about like Burberry, H&M, Nike, um, and there's there's, a, there's a quite quite a few more, all destroy their stuff when it's time for a new product to come out or a new product line. Um, a great example is how H&M in 2017 destro- have, has destroyed more than 60 tons of products since 2013. Jeez. Wow. Yes, it is a lot. It is a lot. I mean... Now, I mean, of, of all the, the brands, H&M, like, please, H&M is... is is, is rubbish down there yeah okay but what I mean, about really, louis they're, vuitton they're, and well this is exactly it so so a lot of the bigger brands like louis vuitton and and bauman mercier and, and cartier and a lot of the um the french ones which is very interesting because uh, there's another f- french little factoid that i found out but we'll speak about it just now mm-hmm. um they all do it and they do it in order to a prevent their products from being globally available to everybody b to stop scalpers from stealing product and then selling it for cheap. And then by doing that, it therefore keeps the value up. Because now, like, let's say they made a thousand bags, right? But they yeah. only sold 300. Yeah. Then they destroyed the other 700. Then that wow. means there are only 300 of those bags available in the world. Therefore, keeping the price inflated. And that's how they still make money out of it. It's also how they increase value. Because think about it like this. You've bought a bag, right? Yeah. But now, if you didn't buy one, 
they're no longer available ever again. So therefore, that becomes like a collector's item. You know, it yeah. goes up in price because it's it's exclusive now. And and that's it's, why it's, it's it's like art, it's artificial exclusivity exactly. in, a, in a in a weird way. Th- yeah, that's why Gucci way. bags from the nine nine from the eighties um, are worth like hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yes, precisely, huh. precisely. Now the reason why I mentioned the whole French thing earlier is because. Um, and because I love these French companies, because you know French and fashion and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. But there's actually a law in France that prohibits um, food companies like restaurants and um, supermarkets from throwing away food. Oh yeah, I've which heard I about really that. really like. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, they're they're not allowed to. It's against the law. They they are forced to donate it, which I think is fantastic. That's cool. In America, you guys can learn from that because you know Everyone there's can. no point in wasting. It's, it's everybody can. Great. Let's be honest. Yeah. Let's be honest. So that mm. kind of leads us on to the next one, <laughs> um, which has got to do with, and Edward will, will, will speak about this, yeah. um, but we're, we're talking about waste now, yes. right? And you have to wonder to yourself, why do people waste? Well, you know, not everybody's the same. Yeah. Everybody, it's, it's actually very clear by just looking at the news that people think differently. Now, mm. you know, you can't say that somebody thinks the wrong way. Because then that just shows your own biases. But I mean, of course, there are certain things where you can be like, no, that's that's, that's just wrong, <laughs> vehemently wrong. Yeah, of course. Anyway, if you've ever been interested in seeing what people who don't believe in what you believe in, and, and of course, we're talking yeah. about the wrong things to believe in. Yes, <laughs> like, like anti-vaccine like, and like, yes, exactly. climate denying. We have a resource for that. Yeah, it? it's called there.tube. And it's actually fascinating. So if you go to this website, there.tube. Which we'll always link below um, in the show notes. And it's literally just that. If you go there, you are met with a little animation with, with a few buttons of cute little drawn figurines. And with uh, which are labeled like some liberal conservative prepper and even climate denier. And if you click on those, that you literally are shown what someone who would browse YouTube, uh, who are, let's say, a conservative, um, would always use, or, or not always, um, that's that's the wrong term, but who would usually, the, the kinds of content yeah, YouTube it, it, would recommend. Yeah, it, it gives you recommend an idea of what they would watch. Yes. yes. So for so, a lot of people, and I know that my parents don't understand this, yep. every network, whether social or not, and we're talking about even like the Netflixes and the YouTubes mm-hmm. and stuff like that, they all have an algorithm exactly. that is geared towards showing you what you want to see. Yes. So I'm sure anybody who's gone down some rabbit hole <laughs> on YouTube will find that a couple of days later, they'll be recommended more of that kind of stuff, especially if you ended up watching the whole video through. Yep. So what ends up happening, and this is I've, I've shared this sentiment with Edward before, is I feel that you know social networks and providers are very much to blame for what's going on in the world yes. today because they're actually perpetuating those trains of thought whereby let's say you get an anti-vaxxer right and they're com- absolutely convinced that vaccines cause autism and it's the mark of the devil and bill gates is going to be the antichrist etc 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 these are all legit things okay not, not legit i just mean that this is what these people believe yeah that's what now they what youtube will do is well it'll consistently show you that narrative yeah it will consistently give you more and more and more content like that to consume because you're consuming it exactly but it doesn't mean it's accurate or right Mm -hmm. or good so yeah it's it's 
this 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 link is fascinating yeah. because it shows you how the other half think. Yeah. You know, the people that that we as what self-confessed um rational thinking people <laughs> will look at <laughs> and be like you're dumb. What do you think? Exactly. You know? Like if um well this is it. This is gives you an idea. See, uh, an easy solution for this would obviously to be if if YouTube or Google knows that you're Googling stuff about anti-climate change, maybe the yeah. good solution would be to, instead of recommending more of this content, to rather recommend content that, that questions no, this, see, no, content then, that then teaches you. No, that would drive people away. So think about it, think about see, it. See, but that's, see, that's no, but why see, they're encouraging well, see, this, it. YouTube doesn't care. YouTube uh, is about the money. They're about the money, showing yeah. as many ads as possible and then making money from that. Now, they could do the Facebook route where there's like a little note that says, you know, be wary of, of this content. And this content oh, might yeah. not be, um, you know, accurate entirely accurate. You know, just watch what, just take note. They could do that, mm. you know. But then again, now there's so much on YouTube, that would mean that every single piece of uploaded video would have to be monitored by a real person. And I just don't yeah, think they have the resources for that, to be perfectly honest. That's true. I mean, yeah. there's, there's like billions of minutes uploaded a day or something like that. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we have come to your favorite part of Gettle. Hey, Edward. Yeah. Well, we have. Well. <laughs> like, we're not Actually... even playing a jingle, as you've noticed. <laughs> um. All I'm going to say is Edward dropped the ball for you this episode. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> okay. Um, so. We don't really have good news <laughs> regarding NSFW stuff. And unfortunately, you have to wait for the next episode. Yeah. I'll come when, back strong. I promise. Well, oh, is that, is, that a, is that a commitment? Are you committing? Yeah, I'll commit. I'll commit ah, to that. Okay. Did I'll you all find hear that, the everybody? most ARBs <laughs> NSFW stuff for you next Okay, week. cool. So episode 26, Edward's going to make up for the fact that he didn't find anything for episode mm-hmm. 25. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And there we go, everybody. We've reached the end of episode 25. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for listening. It wasn't as much of a train wreck as we initially thought it might be. Yeah. <laughs> Especially after last week's episode. <laughs> Of course, I still need to edit this, so who knows? Um, mm-hmm. If it didn't work out as planned, you'll know in episode 26. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, th- thank you all so much for listening. Um, we, we we do love the feedback that we always hear from all of you. And um, our numbers are really good. Yeah. And um, yeah, just thank you. Thank you for the support. It's really, it's, it's just, that's all that we can say, I guess. It's nice to see. Yeah. Well. Yeah. So until 26. I hope you all have a wonderful week ahead. Yourself as well, Edward. Yeah. And yeah. Cheer, everybody. Ciao. Bye.